0: 2020 and dreams. Now you have to wonder what in the world is going through this 17 year old young man's mind as he is already identified by his father as of my 12 sons, you're my favorite. And did he do that on the side, you know, go over here, you know, you're my favorite. No, he made this known, making it known the coat that we traditionally call the coat of many colors and gave it to him so that all the other brothers and the sisters could see, ah, yes, favorite son, favorite child, you know, he's loved, we're not. And we all do that. You know, I don't know. My, my daughters used to play this game with me. I'm your favorite, aren't I? And I always say, yes, you're my favorite 16-year-old. You're my favorite 13-year-old. You're my favorite 9-year-old. You're my favorite whatever age they were. I said that. I only had to be cautious because there was a certain time of year when two of them are the same age. But we sometimes get into that, you know, do we have favorite children? Do we have that? And the answer is, uh, I think all parents probably have children that they like better than the other children, but they don't show it necessarily. They just, they're, they're calmer, they're, you know, they're more like us sometimes or whatever it might be. But I don't know. Here, Jacob has 12 sons, and he purposely has chosen this young man named Joseph. And Joseph knows it. Years ago, I talked and preached on this very passage sometime around 2001 or 2002. I can't remember. It's been a long time. And one of the things I said is that, you know, the brothers all drove broken-down pickup trucks, but Joseph drove the Mercedes, or Joseph drove the uh, sports car, whatever it might be, Joseph was the favorite. And so you had to contend with that. Now, if you were an only child, you were the favorite. Now think about that. You were the favorite, whether you were or not. You were the favorite. So here we have Joseph, a young man, 17 he flaunts it. He goes out, sees his brothers working, and they are not working up to his standards. And he's not working at all. And so he goes and he reports it to his father. Hey, you know, these sons of yours are not working very hard. They need to do better. So not only is he your favorite son, but he goes and, and he squeals on his brothers out in the field working, just doing everything he can to ingratiate himself to his brothers. And then come the dreams. Now you would think, you would think that a young man who had these dreams, that he's being very presumptuous to start to share these, you know, I rise up above the rest of you. Everybody bows down to me, and, you know, that's my dream. These are my dreams. This is what is going to happen. And you you would just think that he would have had enough sense not to have just gone out there and and told them all that. But he did. He did. And very few times... (coughs) Do we hear such strong language used, and it's used against Joseph where it says, His brothers hated him. His brothers hated him. Very powerful language. Hating your own brother. And so that. And then this last dream he has is even his mother and his father, his brothers, everybody's bowing down to him. And even his father's starting to scratch his head a little bit, saying, you mean that you think we're going to bow down to you? And Joseph just says this, his brothers continue to hate him and are jealous of him. And his father, it says, kept the matters in mind, you know, well, he's just a teenager. But 17 back then wasn't just a teenager. 17 back there was a young man and responsible for a lot of different things. Already lived probably half a lifespan for the average person. But it kept it there. And so you have the stories of Joseph set forth here at the beginning of his, his life, we come to know him, yes, we knew he was born, but now we come to know him as this 17-year-old man who has these dreams and who flaunts the best clothing and who also points out his brother's shortcomings. All these things. And we wonder, what would we say about that? What would we say if Joseph was our child and he was doing all these things? we would have probably great concern. We would wonder what in the world is going on. But you know, let's think about that for a second. Uh, Do we not think of that a lot of times of different dreamers? Those who seemingly are always kind of looking at the future or telling about what might come to pass you know, dreamers. In the fourth grade, I was officially designated as a daydreamer. You know, well, you daydream a lot. You sit there in class and you just are not on task. You are not on subject. I don't know if I had an IEP. My wife is shaking her head, yes. Back then, I'm sure we didn't have IEPs. That's individual education plans for students that need them. Uh, But my teacher remarked that to me several times. You know, you're just a daydreamer. And I go, okay. And I kind of was. I always had dreams. I always had things to do, still do to a certain extent. And uh, I, I had one time when I was installed as the pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Forest City, North Carolina, the, uh, a colleague in ministry who preached the installation service for me there at that church said, and he'd only known me for a short while, and he said, don't kill the dreamer. That was the title of his sermon. I thought, hmm. But they did a pretty good job of getting, killing the dream there at First Presbyterian Church, Forest City. Again, my wife shakes her head. Yes. And so um, I came, you know, I came here to faith because of, of several different reasons. Uh, one, Archie Fisher showing up one morning, he and Pat in my church, because of uh, Admiral uh, Bill. What was Admiral Bill's last name, Robert? That was a Presbyterian exact. I can't think of his last name. The ah, Navy Admiral and Chaplain Corps sent me, said, come here. And I got here, and um, Joanne Smith, who was uh, associated with our Presbyterian, our church, and prison ministry, and she preached a sermon at the, my installation service, and it had a great deal to do with dreaming. And the Admiral said to me, now you're going to get here, and you've got this. And he, he listed it off. You've got a congregation that was divided. You've got a congregation that was in debt. You've got a congregation that needs to have sure footing. And you've got a congregation that doesn't know what they're doing. Well, that was a confidence builder. And then he looked at me and he says, and then go and, and do it all and build it all. And he says, you can do it. I know you're a dreamer. And I go, oh. I don't know how well I've completed that dream, but he set us to the task, and um, it is one of those things. Sometimes we need another name in the Bible for dreamers, of course, is one who can have vision, who can see beyond today and know what is going on to have an idea that something's going to happen because it is in the dreamers, if you will. It is in those who have vision, who can see things or at least imagine something different that God is able to work things out sometimes. Families have them. Everybody, not all People in every family is a dreamer or a person of vision. A lot of people are very practical people. A lot of people are just, this is what we have to do. This is the task before us. And so it is important. But God places also in families. He places in churches. He places in his people across the world those who can dream and those who can see visions, if you will, about what is to come. Every time we see a little child, that is a dream in many ways. It is a vision in many ways of what is still to come, what is possible, what might happen. In the Bible, we have dreams and visions of the people of God throughout its pages. As we finish up Christmas season today, this day, as I said, this is the twelfth day of Christmas. This is the last Sunday of Christmastide. As we finish up Christmas today, we are reminded that Joseph had dreams about the son to be born to him and Mary. Mary was visited by the angels. Zechariah was. Others had visions there in the temple about Jesus as he was presented On the eighth day, to be circumcised and to have the offering made for the firstborn male. These are important. Peter has visions in the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul says in a vision he is called up to the third heaven. The revelation of St. John is a vision of heaven and earth, of past and future. As Jesus says... I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And here we have Joseph. And in this, and the writer of Genesis is very clear about this, as we go through these final chapters of the book of Genesis, that these dreams, these things that Joseph done had a greater purpose than Joseph knew, than his brothers even came close to understanding. Maybe his father had an inkling when it says his father kept the matter in mind, but later on it is very evident because of events that not even his father understood. And there, as we begin this year, 2020, and the dreams that become with all new years, Therein lies one of the things that we have to begin to understand, and that is this, that the hand of God is always at work in the world and among his people, that we often mischaracterize, do not understand, have no real recollection or particular knowledge about what God is doing sometimes. When somebody has a dream about something, especially in relationship to the church, to the people of God, to others, we may look at that and say, well, that's crazy, that's stupid. Why in the world would they be doing that? Why would they even think that? And we then fail often to even think about God being at work in that person's life and in the church and in the people of God as a whole for God's purposes, not for our purposes not for our imaginations, like, oh, this would be a great thing to do, this would be a good ministry to do, this might be something that we undertake. It is none of that as much as it is God at work, the hand of God at work, and we don't even realize it. You know, we as human beings live in the present, We can think back and understand the past and look at the past, and when we look to the future, we're not as sure as the great apostle Yoda said. The future always emotions, always uncertain. No one has determined what it is yet, and such is for us. But it is not with God, because God knows, and God works out His purposes and his plans, often in spite of us, in spite of the 11 brothers of Joseph who didn't want to have anything to do with him, or his dreams, or his favoritism, other than, as we will come to find out, let's get rid of the problem. As we begin this year of 2020, there are dreams, there are visions, there are ideas in our church. It is a year in which the first six months is going to see transition in our church, transition on our staff as our assistant pastor leaves and our new associate pastor will be coming on. There will be transition and change in some other areas and it is something that we will look forward to, and sometimes in trepidation, but in sometimes in expectation. But let me assure you all of this, that God is at work in our midst. God is at work in our congregation, and we need to be trusting what God is doing among us. That is hard for a church sometimes because the church often thinks it knows better than God. There have been many churches over the course of history that have thought so. But we need to be open and we need to be sensitive to what God might be doing in our midst. Because God is at work His hands are not folded in his lap, but are at work in the world. So Joseph helps us to understand that sometimes the plan of God is presented to us, and we have no idea that it's there. Isn't that strange to think that God can make plain something, and we don't even realize that it's there? but it is true. And so we need to prepare ourselves and we need to think and open ourselves to possibilities, open ourselves to the will of God to be actually carried out in our lives, in our families, in our church. Because then and there will we do the things that God is calling us to do. Well, these are some of the things that I've been thinking about as this new year has begun. And I knew that I would be preaching from the stories of Joseph in the early months of this year. And I thought to myself, well, Joseph is my kind of guy sometimes. But I understand him in part. And so, let us understand That God is at work even when we don't think so. Even when we don't want him to be. God is at work in our lives. Well, thanks be to God, who used his servant Joseph, even though sometimes Joseph was a pain in the rear, But he used him to accomplish his purposes and his goals for his people. Amen.